0: Good day, listeners. We present to you our podcast, Wounded Hearts, Wounded Churches. We discuss a variety of topics that are important to the church. Examples include sexual abuse, all types of addictions, religious abuse, and recovery. This platform provides counseling sessions, meaningful question and answer, and a counseling continuum. Our co-hosts include Miss Lolita, personnel director. This is Tanil, our technical director. We have an impressive array of program contributors, and I'm your host. My name is Prince, founder of Antioch Youth Center, 5013C program, licensed counselor, now retired. So join in this exciting podcast, Wounded Hearts, Wounded Churches, and be a part of the healing process. I want to introduce our guest tonight, Again, many times a lot of working parts in these podcasts people uh, we've had people who, who uh, chimed in from Africa and uh, Texas and California and so weather affects the the, the moving parts So, uh, mr. Bernard mark Bernard is here again tonight but he's trying to chime in so he's president of blessing point ministries he holds a B.A. Master's degree in ministry activities. He his company focuses on helping churches to reconcile and to work out differences that they may have. He works in the U.S. outside the U.S. I'm just glad to have him here tonight. So we're going to play a clip now about what Mark does. You can get a feel for his activities. He was here last week had some exciting uh, uh, viewing numbers, and we're glad about that. We have him here again because he has a real good program here. Is that clip ready?
1: We're ready, here we go. In churches that have been wounded, problems tend to show up in five areas. First area is in what we call the corporate pulse or corporate spirit. When we look at the Jerusalem church in the book of Acts, we see itemized in those early chapters the activities of the early church. They met for worship, they prayed together, they met in large groups and small groups, they received teaching, they worshiped, they evangelized. All those activities we see reflected in modern day churches. But there's something else in that early church, and that's the spirit of the church. Joy was in the atmosphere. People were coming to the Lord daily. There was an incredible sense of unity among the leaders. And so we want to look past the activities of a church and try to measure the spirit of the church. Is there a strong pulse? Is there a strong spirit? The second area where problems show up in wounded churches is in a lack of trust for leadership. You can easily imagine that if we've been hurt by an individual, we're going to be slow to trust that person in the future. Well the same dynamic takes place in the local church if painful things have happened because leaders are usually associated with that pain. And so their trust in leaders diminishes on behalf of their constituency until someone comes in and heals the original wound. The third area where problems tend to show up is in poor communication. People don't talk about the things they really need to talk about, painful things, or church discipline issues go ignored. One of the comments we often hear from people that we work with is that we should have talked about these things years ago. The fourth area where problems show up is in a lack of mission or vision fulfillment. And you can easily imagine if a church has a weak corporate pulse, there's not enough trust for leaders, if there's poor communication, it's inevitable that they're gonna have difficulty accomplishing the mission Christ has given them in their community. And on top of that, he's gonna be slow to bless that ministry because there's all these problems in the church. The fifth area where problems tend to show up is in historical wounds. These are the actual painful events, the crises that have taken place in the history of a church that create these other symptoms. They can range anywhere from pastoral immorality, to abuse of funds, to a church split, to uh, prejudice exercised by the church as a whole. They can take many, many forms. So how do you figure out if your church suffers from problems in these areas? I want to refer you to the book, Diagnosing the Heart of Your Church. You can find it on our website. And The other uh, thing I'd, I would recommend would be the Church Scan Inventory, which will help you uh, figure out how impacted your church has been by these kinds of issues. It's a free uh, ministry assessment tool on our website that individual can come and take, leaders can take and discuss among themselves. And I think these things will help you discern if your church struggles from these kind of issues.
0: And again, we have Mark Bernard, president of Blessing Point Ministries, and they are a corporation program that reaches out to churches with issues, split problems, and he comes in to negotiate and to facilitate unity within the body of Christ. Mark, are you there audio?
1: Uh, Can you hear me?
0: Yes, we can.
1: Well, uh, we obviously, just, I have a face made for radio. That's <laughs> why I'm, uh, showing up here, <laughs> you do. <laughs> it's very nice too. I, I enjoy. Very it. soothing. <laughs> All
0: right, we got a lot to cover in these few moments. A Couple things uh, from last week that was very poignant. You said that oh, back in the eighteen twenties the church was unable to come together on the slavery issue mm. and i know that for sure because i've studied the methodist history on that mm. and because of that the u.s split on it and that brought on war that is a very heavy burden to 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 carry because had they been able to come together History could have been so different. Am I wrong or right?
1: Well, I think you're absolutely right. I think theoretically you're right. I also think God had his purposes for that war. Sure. And so, I mean, if you look at the, and we're kind of talking about the big picture. If you look at the history of the United States, of course, we had a civil war, which was really the Revolutionary War. Mm -hmm. We had a civil war in the mid-1800s. We basically had a cold civil war during the civil rights movement, 100 years mm-hmm. after that. And I was very surprised to discover that there was a civil war in America 100 years before the Revolutionary War mm. in the city of Jamestown okay. uh, it was, when it was very first founded. The founder was like a governor that came over from England and one of his cousins came over and had a very competitive spirit. And he had some hard feelings toward the Indians and he set himself up as a general and he was not well received by the governor or the current citizens. He actually burned down Jamestown exactly a hundred years before the Revolutionary War. Wow! Wow. So our nation has a problem with submitting to authority Mm. and it has revealed itself and reveals itself about every 100 years.
0: Mm. Do you, got a lot of questions here, (laughs) it's tough to, Mark, uh, you mentioned last week that if there is a minister or a pastor or a teacher that has an issue, in order to regain the people's confidence, he has to do two things. Number one, he's got to be transparent and he's got to be honest. Is that true? How to well, regain that broken trust? or it, well,
1: just- it depends. I mean, if it's a one off. And you know, a leader has just stumbled, he said some things he shouldn't say, or he broke trust mm-hmm. in some way, and he's got a humble spirit and he wants to make it right. He can confess that to the people involved and be truthful and transparent moving forward. If, however, you're a pastor coming into an existing church mm-hmm. where the, your predecessors have broken trust with the congregation, you as the new guy inherit that stigma. Uh, You could be the most trustworthy person in the world, but because of those who went before you kind of defiled the office of pastor in that church Uh, that has to be healed. And that takes more than simply truth and transparency that takes uh, standing in the place of those previous leaders, asking the congregation's forgiveness as if you were the offender and asking the Lord to forgive that role so he can cleanse the church's relationship with the church. Because when these painful things happen, you know, we tend to obsess about how they affect us individually. Sure. But they cast a shadow after the ent- over the entire church's ministry in the eyes of the Lord. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't know when we came to practically believe that God overlooks sin in the camp, but we seem to live as if he does. Mm. And he does not. And I, you know, I wrote a blog post this week and a uh, comment in there was about Aiken. And I said, you know, Aiken was the first person in the Bible to hide something under a rug that we know of. But church people have been following his example ever since.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: <laughs> so you get into a lot of churches where there's some buried, smelly stuff under those carpets that kind of oozes out every once in a while and causes another crisis in the church.
0: Mark, we talked about pain in the church. Some of the stories can be quite poignant mm-hmm. and quite painful, can't they? I can remember back when I was a child, uh, you're talking 50 years ago, and we had a church split in Detroit. Well, I don't want to see where it was, but it's just like yesterday. And the the ramification of it it's just going on for generations. The police right. had to be called out, you know, and mm. locks on the door. And I mean, and that I, just the effect of it goes on and on and on, doesn't it? The, I mean, it the, the, the pain yeah. of it.
1: You can't see me, but I'm bowing and shaking my head because I've seen <laughs> it happen so many times. And, yeah. You know, the, the little thing you said there in your, in your testimony was that, you know, it felt like it happened yesterday. I mean, that's right. how fresh and impactful those kind of wounds are to people who go through that.
0: Generally speaking, Mark, are the issues similar from group to group or are the issues more of a potpourri? Are they trust issues? They're uh, similar. I, mem- They're yeah, I mentioned last week, uh, Dobson statistics, 30% of ministers, pastors, have inappropriate, uh, uh, you know, connection with people in the church and on and on and on. So are, what are some of the similarities that you find in the correlations of church yeah. splits? Well,
1: when I say similarities, I mean that all the nominations go through the same kind of painful crises, right? There's, there's not necessarily a one, you know, that we're dealing with over and over again, but each church's history is different and unique. But you know, it's almost like a shotgun uh, of of expressions. You know, the, sexual immorality, uh, church splits. Uh, this is a this is one I've come across recently, and that is where people idolize the pastor, or idolize the building, particularly, mm. or idolize a particular program. And it be, mm. any of those things can become a sacred cow. And the Lord doesn't really like idols. True. You know, in churches especially. And so that's one that I've seen recently. Um, I Another one that I'm kind of still dealing with the after effects of a church in Florida is just rebellion. Can you imagine this? Imagine this scene. You're a young pastor. You're the second pastor of the church. The previous pa- previous founder pastor is in his 70s. He's still in the church. He doesn't leave after retiring. He doesn't like the fresh faced kid. Oh, my. Who comes in, right? Oh, my, my, my. my. And he actually heckles mm, mm, mm. the young preacher while he's preaching mm, in the sanctuary. Wow. wow. Now, what is the Lord going to think of that? Mm, mm, and since he is a favored servant and has a track record, the elders are not going to call him out on that. And so the elders don't call him out on that. And you have this kind of rebellious spirit that doesn't go away because no one ever confronted the first perpetrator and it just spreads through the body over time and affects all different aspects of the ministry. Mm-hmm. So that's a fascinating one to watch happen.
0: Now, do splits affect children, grandchildren in the oh, church?
1: Well, you know they do. It's just you know, just heart-rending stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Imagine the, the especially the children of the pastor involved. Oh you know, my. When, yeah. when the pastor is getting, you know, there, and one of the problems we see Um, often is uh, a pastor eating church, you know, a church that has a tendency to devour pastors. Right. Well, the families get caught up in that. The wife gets caught up in that. The children get caught up in that. Some of them leave uh, the the church and walk away from the Lord and don't want anything to do with ministry or anything that smells like a church, because like you going through that split, you know, they were painfully impacted by that behavior.
0: Now, Mark, are there any hindrances when you go to a church to help? Some people don't want help sometimes. In, in my background in counseling, you'd be surprised at how many people come for counseling but really don't want counseling. I'm talking right. about when I was in uh, Atlanta area there. Some just didn't want it. I mean, did, did you face that? Some people And if they don't want it, why don't they want it?
1: Yeah. Well, the last half of the question is a little easier to answer. They're they're unhealthy people who are used to the way things are. Okay. Dysfunctional churches attract dysfunctional people. Mm. because dysfunctional people are comfortable operating in dysfunctional environments and they can sense it. It's like they have a radar for it, you know, (laughs) and they feel as soon as they walk in, they say, oh, this is my, this is my new home. And, and they can tell that their bad behavior will be tolerated in that particular environment. Oh my. So Mm. that's one reason why they don't want to change. Um, What was your, what was the first part of that question?
0: Some don't want change, and they might come for help, but they just don't want it. Yeah. But, Mark, that's pretty scary because if they're there and and really don't want help, like the old saying says, you can horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So what do you do if you're facing a group and you sense that? How do you handle
1: that? Well, by the time they call us in, they are willing to get help. Okay. This, But but what you're describing is the disconnect between the huge numbers of churches that need help and the few number of churches that will get help. Because churches have a very high tolerance for pain, and they are very squeamish about bringing in an outsider to look at their church business. And, um, And so they have to be in quite a bit of difficulty when they call us in. You know, my partner, Ken Quick, says that our ministry is like you're driving down, you know, all those signs, you know, on 85 or 75 going south, those big billboards that are down there in Georgia. It's like a sign, you know, that, that says last chance counseling before divorce. You know, oh, wow. That's kind of our ministry. You know, we, we're churches are usually close to that crisis state when they call us.
0: Mark, how does division start? What are the seeds of it? You, you said earlier about dysfunction and oh, my, that's true. Any other seeds that can produce division?
1: Well, I don't think the division or the the discussion or the conflict is necessarily the problem. You know, churches are going to have conflicts just like families have conflicts. It's It's true. It's it's the spiritual maturity. It's the training of the elders. It's... um, the recognition that we need to handle this in a way God can bless its knowledge of the scriptures to know what the scriptural procedure is to handle conflict. And, and the devil will test churches. The Lord will give the devil permission to test churches and some crisis will come up that could lead to a split. And, you know, if they mishandle it, it's probably sometimes though, the Lord sends uh, a crisis into a church, believe it or not. You know, much like if you remember the story of Solomon um, and the divided kingdom
0: after Rehoboam, Solomon.
1: Right? Jeroboam. Why did Why did this, the kingdom divide? Well, the Lord divided it. He He anointed Jeroboam and said, "You're going to get 11 tribes. Rehoboam's going to get one tribe." Why? Because of Solomon's idolatry. So sometimes splits happen, not because of the issues that are immediately in play. When you think of that story, the issue that was immediately in play was Rehoboam's lack of maturity and not, and, double down, and doubling down on the taxes that his father would charge. Right. right? That right. was the immediate issue. But what was really going on, it was that the Lord sent the crisis into their midst so that the nation would divide because he was unhappy about a previous situation. On a deeper level. So to me, uh, much of the time when the di- when division comes, it's because God is unhappy about something else. Mm. And He's sending division into the congregation, but the congregation has no discernment to recognize that. And so they act it out and it divides.
0: Also, I think what you're saying is all division is not bad. I want to quote Uh, This author, Jay Piper, he said, unity is maintained, not created. Don't make a lot of it, but don't make death of it. In other words, some division is good, uh, what you're saying. If we held it right, we can come out even better, is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, one of the uh, outworkings of division, I think it's in one of Paul's letters, I was reminded by another pastor of this uh, earlier in the week, says there must be divisions among you so that those who are approved may become evident. And so when you're in a divisive situation, there may be one or two leaders who really distinguish themselves in handling that conflict in an astute way. And that quality of their leadership may never have come out except for the crisis.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. I understand that. So, Mark, uh, you're talking to a young pastor uh, tonight. He's just starting out. What is your counsel to him? What should he look for starting out a new church, just getting it going? What mm-hmm. should he look for? What should he do?
1: An established church, and he's being interviewed by the pulpit committee.
0: No, let's say he's just starting out. He's the, already he, there? He's a church plant. Yeah. Let's say he's got five people oh, just starting Oh, he's a church out. plant.
1: Okay. Church plant.
0: Church a different plant. set uh-huh. of
1: questions. What I would say to a church planter is, tell me about the church from which this church is being planted. Is it a okay. daughter church? Okay. tell me about the history of the mother church, Okay. because if the mother church has had painful things happen in its history that have gone unresolved, it's very likely the daughter church will manifest those same symptoms. So that's Mm -hmm. one thing you're going to want to be aware of. Some some guys think, oh, I'm just going to start a new church so I don't have the problems of an established church. But like like daughter, like mother, like mother, like daughter, Mm -hmm. you're going to inherit people from that congregation who have been used to operating a certain way. And if that way has been unhealthy, they're bringing that with them into that situation. Another question is I would want to interview that church planner and say, tell me about your background. How did, how did you deal with conflict growing up? You know, how, how would you deal with conflict now? Because that person's personal experience is going to factor in to how he handles the dysfunction he may have. Sure, sure. So those are some practical things. There's actually a blog post uh, on our website, blessingpoint.org, called How Not to Start a Church. And (laughs) I'm not remembering all the details, but there's more good advice in there.
0: Well, I've been to your website, and it's quite informative. Mark, our time is gone, but two more things. You're talking to someone tonight who's been wounded, not attending church, What is your advice to them?
1: That is uh, something that requires probably more pastoral sensitivity than I have. But I would say to them to consider not only what happened to you, but to consider what God was trying to do in you through that. You know, when Joseph went through his trials, we all know what he said at the end. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What good thing? If God is good, what good thing was he trying to accomplish through the pain that you experienced? Don't let it sideline you from the Christian life. Seek the Lord and be open to the possibility that he's trying to grow something in you that he could have grown no other way except through difficulty.
0: Mark, you've been doing this 15 years. You're president of the program, Master's Degree. Do you know of any other podcast that is, focuses only on reconciliation and healing within the church? Are there any one that you know
1: of? I'm afraid that you are the Lone Ranger. I mean, there okay. just are not, as, as far as I know. Um, you know I've been on um, some other podcasts, but they were not exclusively for the purpose that you are aiming for. You're really fulfilling a unique role in the body of Christ.
0: Mark, if someone wants to contact you, what is your email, phone number, et cetera, please?
1: Sure. Uh, You can contact us through our website at info at blessingpoint.org, info at blessingpoint.org. And I'll be glad to respond to you by email. We can start a conversation.
0: Also, the blog you mentioned, how can they connect with the blog you did
1: this last week? Just go right to our website. You'll see on the resource tab, some pull down menu. It'll say blog and you'll see all our blogs there.
0: Friends, I've been to the website. It's wonderful. I mean, they've, the staff is definitely able to, to do this work. Their degree is a doctor there. I mean, it's really good. Mark, our time has gone beyond time. Thanks again, my friend. Wonderful information to our staff. People, thank you so much. Mark, Lord bless you. Thanks so to Neil and to Renette tonight. And to our people, thank you so
1: much tonight yep. for being here. You're welcome. Mm-hmm.